Welcome to the Jazz Notes Podcast. I am your host, James Stratton, and tonight we are going over the 24-6 and 6 Utah Jazz against the 14-15 and 15 Charlotte Hornets. Here in Salt Lake City, it should be a good one. Hornets are coming off a pretty impressive win over the Golden State Warriors. I believe it was a couple days ago where Draymond Green got those two technical fouls, uh, let the Hornets tie the game up, and then... Uh, Rosier uh, made that uh, last second two-point shot, really good shot. Well, it wasn't a really good shot as far as getting it, but it was just a, a really good make, let's put it that way. So, yeah, they're coming in on the high. Uh, we have a good two, two-day two break from losing to the Clippers uh, after going on a back-to-back in, with them in L.A. So... Um, this starts a Hornets uh, road trip, so they're just barely coming into the West area to, to make this little run as uh, we're just doing, I believe, just two games at home before we head back into the road again. Yeah, two games at home, and then we'll start doing our final Eastern Conference road trip. So let's get into the game. The first quarter, the passing is back for the Jazz. <laughs> We've been missing that, but that was mainly due to the Clippers' great defense of taking away those passing lanes. But they're back, and it's no thanks uh, to a different Hornets defensive scheme. So <laughs> it's it's pretty much really because the Hornets are playing us a different way, and they believe whatever their way is it would be better. They don't really get into the passing lane uh, but they are i believe one the number one steal team in the nba last time i checked but again the last time i checked was when we played the hornets in charlotte um so far into the game it helps that the threes are dropping as well um it's kind of a slump for the past few games really and we already have four and it's not even halfway into the first quarter uh fans are booing hayward um, no reason for that now. I know. I know. Uh, I know. My last podcast where we talked about the Celtics last year, I was kind of praising them because they're booing uh, Hayward and they're booing Kantner when they beat us uh, at home. I I was kind of in support of it then, mainly because I think this was like the first or second game in Utah where Hayward was back, so he got to get those boo birds out and it just help having Kantner out. Um, I was kind of expecting the boos for the first possession, but so far as like the third and fourth possession with Hayward handling the ball and the boo birds are back. There's really no reason for that. Um, we've moved on as a team. He's moved on as a player. He doesn't even play for the team he left us for. So, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. He left us. He left us and we didn't get any better. Whoa, whoa. You know. No, we did get better. I mean, we got better without him. I mean, yeah, that first year was kind of hard, uh, but we still made the playoffs. We still got into the second round, and um, yeah, it, it was it was. We all admit it was pretty difficult to to lose the guy, but we can't continue to leave, live rent free in our heads over him. Um, where we've moved on, we have our own schemes that we want to. Would Hayward being on our team make us a better team? Of course, but who would we have to lose for that? I mean, right now we'd be uh, we'd be in that debate of right. Uh, I mean, do we keep Hayward? Do we keep Gobert? Do we keep Mitchell? We can pretty much only keep two at this point, with the way that Hayward's playing. 
And honestly, it's, you know, Gobert and Mitchell is probably the way we want to go. Um, and so we'd be losing Hayward anyways next season. We wouldn't have Mike Conley. We wouldn't, we might have been able to keep Rubio, but I highly doubt it. So honestly, we don't know where we would have been with him. And, and we sure know where we're at without him. And we're number one. So quit crying about it. He's gone. That's all I can say. I mean, it's getting to a point where it's like, man, I might as well just buy, buy a Charlotte Hornets jersey with Hayward's name on it because I do like their jerseys. Not the one they wore tonight, but the, the teal ones. I love those jerseys. Um, only buy it because I love them, not because I like the team. Um, offenses on pretty or uh, offenses on both sides are pretty much doing whatever they want so far this game. Halfway through, it's pretty much a blow-up game. Jazz are up 20 to 18, usually what we see going to the end of the quarter. The Jazz are starting to li- miss a lot of open shots now halfway through. Taking what seemed to be a Jazz running away, uh, I think they were up by eight points by this time to a tie game again because the Hornets go on a 10-in-row run towards the end. Uh, due to the Jazz's inability to pass when needed or hit their open shots again. So after one, we are tied up at 35 points. So again, overall not a great offensive or defensive game from us. Um, And uh, just letting them get into the lanes again. So in the second quarter, both sides are still getting all the shots that they want. But the Jazz get a great set on their offensive end. I believe they get like three offensive board before they finally capitalize. Uh, I was Conley missing two threes at the same spot. And then the third time, Conley was wide open at the same exact spot. I'm like, come on, he's not going to miss three in a row. But uh, we get a layup. So, I mean, we'll take it, right? I mean, got to make those opportunities at one point. The Jazz definitely need to fix their interior defense, though. Teams are driving at will and then using this double option uh, inside if the driving player kind of gets caught uh, between his player and Gobert. If Gobert cheats up a little bit too much, he'll either pass around him, lob it up uh, high enough for Gobert can't get it. And uh, it's just working a charm for the Jazz or against the Jazz. And I think that's one thing that definitely needs to be cleaned up is um, the biggest issue I see is when coming off that screen, having that player drive in, whoever is the defender of that screen probably peeling off to defend that player to stop him. Even if it creates a mismatch, I'd rather have that mismatch than constantly see layups at times, it seems like. Because halfway through, the Jazz are still up barely 50-49. to 49. And it's a back-and-forth game so far. No team really getting an advantage early. The And defense on both sides has kind of taken the game off so far. Costly turnovers and bad shots now rears his ugly face for the Jazz. And very unnecessarily emotional game, it seems, so far. Four turnovers in a row for the Jazz at this point. Five if you count this Gobert weak layup where he doesn't even hit the rim. So... I mean, just a very bad end to this half because going into it, the Hornets are now up 67 to 64. We uh, we allow 32 points and we only score 29. So again, another bad defensive half from us. And um, but hey, thanks to a quick 5-0 finish from the Jazz, it could have been a lot worse going into the third quarter. Speaking of the third quarter, the Jazz transition offense needs to improve as well. 
Anytime the Jazz miss and the Hornets rebound, uh, Charlotte really pushes up the tempo and it usually gets an easy shot. It just seems there's some lack of communication of how fast they're moving the ball up. No one's really talking to each other um, at times, and so that could be one of the reason. And another reason is Rudy uh, is really now the only one who seems to try to rebound at times. Um, just a really flat start of the half for the Jazz. They go uh, off on a, the Charlotte Hornets go off on a 12 and one run early into this quarter. Oh man, this, this game so far. <laughs> oh my gosh. Disconnected on the diff offensive end for the Jazz. And this means that the Hornets are taking advantage on the transition. So they're still doing very well on that transition basketball. Every time they get a steal, every time the Jazz miss, anytime that a player makes a basketball and finds himself on the floor, uh, the Hornets are taking over that 5-4 uh press or 5-3 press and and really taking advantage at times I mean this isn't like a runaway game for it but my goodness this is the cockiest sub 500 team I have ever seen in this Hornets team it's like anytime Melo makes a ball or a basket he like pretends like he's this god or something which he's not I mean he's he's a good rookie I'll give him that um but man just just the cockiness of this team. Um, I believe there's one point where uh, Conley's guarding Ball and then uh, Ball makes a layup and he like, it's like, oh, Conley's too short for me and makes like a little short gesture or whatnot. And then O'Neal kind of gets back at him and uh, lays it up on him and then makes the same gesture. It's just a cocky team for not even breaking 500 so far this year. And, Whatever, whatever makes them happy, you know, whatever makes them feel like they're, they're a good team, but right now they're not, um, <laughs> well, with me knowing this, but I did write this before we kind of broke away. So, I mean, it, it was just frustrating to me every time they made a basket, made a shot, whatnot, they're just celebrating, overly celebrating. It's not like, I get it if they're up by 20 against us, the number one team in the NBA, I would I would see the celebration. I mean, I would do the same thing if I wasn't the best team in the NBA or, or kind of in the middle of the pack right now, and uh, and you're beating a, the best team by twenty, but they're not doing that so far because uh, the Jazz are halfway through the third, only down eighty-one to seventy-five, still a close game by any measure. Um, even if the Jazz were up by this much, I'd, I or by six points, I wouldn't say it's a Jazz win yet. Um, but the Jazz start slowly clawing back thanks to Mitchell and Ingles' improved play in the second part of this quarter, uh, in the second part of this quarter. And man, it's probably because of the cockiness. I mean, they're, I think they're still starting to get under the Jazz's skin in, in the wrong way. I, I think the Jazz get a little bit more composed, the more flustered it seems like they're getting. So, um, wouldn't play into that, I guess. But still, in this game, turnovers are really killing the Jazz at this point. Just an overall sloppy game from them. Um, the, the it's not like the Hornets are getting in the passing lane; they're just they're just being really dumb. Um, horrible game from Gobert on the offensive end so far. This this game, 
just seems so unsure of himself and constantly losing the ball inside. Even when he's getting a rebound, he just doesn't keep his head on the swivel or, or just, I mean, I remember because I sadly had to play center pretty much my whole junior high, uh, high school career. And I had this problem too, where I'd rebound uh, the basketball and I just, uh, you know, kind of sloppily pl- pass it to the point guard or just, just, not very handle myself and uh there's one point where the coach toast told me anytime that you catch the ball he's squeezing that basketball as hard as you can you know pretty much deflating it in your hand and then uh you use your pivot foot with your elbows out that way you can't you cause this um pretty much (laughs) this this elbowing technique where you're pivoting your elbows aren't moving you're not swinging your shoulder so it's not a foul and I just did that a few times in the game, and, and no one would try to swipe that ball for me because I had pretty sharp elbows back then. Um, but anyways, enough about me. Back to the Jazz. <laughs> Niang has just showed up when he's needed. Uh, a very big three when it's needed. I think at this point it gets the Jazz up uh, going into the fourth quarter, 91-90. to 90. We finally have a good defensive quarter. Finally. After after that hot, hot run that the, the Hornets had in the beginning of this half um we really buckled down uh ever since then we're like what uh 26 26 to 12 uh at the the end this quarter so that's really that's really good and niang man has been impressive so far this game because going into the fourth quarter the jazz start off hot still so they're really taking that end of the third quarter transitioning into this fourth quarter and they're getting the lead on their side now. And Niang is now 4 for 4 on the 3. The defense has also been a factor this quarter. They're getting steals. They're getting stops. They're making the Hornets really uncomfortable. And Niang is now 5 for 5 at 3-pointers. Just very impressive this game. Uh, making everything like he was hoping to do before the season when he was like, man, there's there's just a log jam at my position, so I better make everything. Well, you're doing it now. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean it's raining threes now just in in this quarter it's just raining threes Gobert is having a block party I think he gets two or three blocks in one side of the possessions Niang is now six for six at three pointers just a very good start to this fourth quarter because I tell you I mean I at the end of the third quarter you know I was pretty happy <laughs> and uh, I forgot to pause the game and it was time for to, you know, get my kids to bed or whatnot. So I was helping the, the missus look for their stuffed animals cause they can't sleep without it. And I was just going through the house and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, let's, I, I, I for some reason I thought it was halftime. I really did. I don't know why the score was 91 to 90. I don't know why I thought it was halftime because it felt like it. And I was like, Oh, I have plenty of time. I go down and I see the the game's on again. I'm like, man, it, it wasn't that long. So I walk down and the Jazz are up by 20 because they go on this 26 to 2 amazing run um, overall uh, from the end of the third to the start of the fourth. And we went, we were da- up by one when I left the game. And when I came back with like four minutes left into the game, we we're up by 20. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, 
what happened. So I I got to re- rewind it and rewatch it. So I kind of knew. And in accordance with the ESPN, they kind of have this like game projection of uh, what's the probability that a team is going to win this game. And four minutes going or four minutes left into the third quarter, the Hornets were at a seventy percent chance of winning this game. Four minutes into the fourth quarter, the Jazz are 99% chance of winning this game. So it switches 169% or 170% in eight minutes of span span time because the Jazz are just on fire at the beginning of this. Now, after a questionable double technical on the Jazz, so, uh, man, the Hornets are really getting lucky on these double techs, right? One's from Gobert, one's from Quinn. Rudy just takes starts being aggressive. He's he does a nice alley oop. It's the second one of this quarter, so he's now very aggressive. And the reason why I say it's questionable is like, did, on one end, do they deserve the tech? Yeah, they argued whatnot. But Coach Q uh, challenges the call that that causes this double tech. Um, Gobert gets elbowed in the face by Zeller. Um, they called a foul on Gobert, even though he never touched him. Uh, only Zeller touched him with the elbow to the face on the drive. That should have automatically overturned the tech by Gobert, because Gobert was mad that he got hit in the face. And they called tech on him, because he yelled at the ref for it. Maybe he used some vulgarity. I don't know. Maybe he used a French vulgarity, which he needs to do. Uh, or the rest probably know French, so it probably didn't work out. But um, I get it. Like he he thought he was hitting the face. Um, then Quinn argued that hey, you know, you don't. You maybe maybe it was to calm Rudy down. Like hey, I'm on your side. Maybe it was to avert the rest attention from Rudy because now he starts hitting the the backstop of the the rent or the basketball. Uh, I forget what they call it. Um, but anyways. After they overturned the call, I think in my belief, at least at least Rudy's tech should have been overturned because what he complained about was true. Unless he was overtly vulgar to the ref, I get it. But um, maybe maybe Quinn's does too because I mean I think what he did was averted attention. Unless he was, I mean there was this one point. There was this one. Uh, the the reason why I'm kind of upset about this is because. Um, and it gets later into this game where the Hornets have six players on the court and they get just a just a team tech. Uh, and this whole time, the coach is whining. The Hornets coach is whining and crying for at least three minutes about having six players on the court. Whining and crying that you didn't give me the time to substitute, which they didn't get permission to substitute. So there was no horn. There was no buzzer. They shouldn't have been on the damn court. And he sits there and cries and cries to the refs and they don't call T on him. That's why I believe both calls should have been averted. Um, but we'll see if the NBA takes it away. It doesn't matter if the Jazz win this game anyways. But I mean this it's it, it just I that's when I that's when I get heated is when the the techs aren't called fairly on both sides. And it wasn't this game. And maybe it wasn't during the Warriors game. Now I'm starting to feel far, bad for Draymond Green. <laughs> Jazz halfway up into this game, uh, 113 to 98. After that hot start, the Jazz start to cool down now on both ends. And now the Hornets are finally getting their offensive game going. Um, 
I believe it was a little bit earlier into this game. Gordon Hayward goes down. He lands on his wrist. Um, hopefully everything's okay. I know, I think he was having wrist issues already this season and maybe last season as well. So overall, I just, I just, I hope he's back on the floor. I mean, he's on my fantasy team. So I got over Hayward. He's on my fantasy team. I did. I, I picked him. I'm like, no one was picking him. I'm like, man, I'll steal him. It was a steal. Uh, I think I got him like 10 picks lower than what he was projecting. I thought he was going a lot higher, so I grabbed him. Anyways, 20 turnovers for the Jazz so far, and there's five minutes less in this game, and just a sloppy game for the Jazz. I just hate turnovers so much. I just hate it because we're not this rookie team. I mean, the, the, the Hornets need to be doing 20 turnovers, but they're causing them. Um, the Jazz buckle down again. They start getting defensive stops again. And they're making offensive, great offensive shots after running their sets or just finding uh, open position. Just really good. Um, we really got away from that pick and roll offense that we saw for the last three games. And it just seemed like our passing wasn't there anymore. So Pench is clear after one minute left. The Jazz are up 129 to 106. Um, I usually don't report, but Niang is the seventh three-pointer. Now he's seventh for seven, and the Jazz win 132-110. to 110. We score 41 points in that third, fourth quarter just to show you how hot we were, but defense was just as hot, only allowing 20 points. So the stats of the game, um, we shoot 53% on field goals. It wasn't that way. It, it wasn't that way going into the second half. I think we're at like 44%, 45%, and the Hornets were at 55. Um, we shot 51% from three pointers, and that's including that we just set the franchise record again against these Hornets. We score uh, 28 three pointers. Um, we had, we out rebounded them 45 to 35. We only allow eight offensive rebounds. Uh, quite opposite from the Lake, the Clippers games, we were 34 assists on 45 made field goals. That's 76%. So 70%, 6% of the time when a jazz player makes a shot, he got an assist out of it and 23 turnovers. I think that's the most turnovers of all the games I've reported so far. Let me go back. Um, Let me go back into uh, the Nets game because that's the only game that I did not. Uh, there's one other game I didn't broadcast, but that that one was like a bad Jazz loss. So I don't. I'm not going to go into the game that we actually won. Uh, so the the Nets game would be the only game I think. Yeah, we only had 15 turnovers. So I think that's the most turnovers we had so far this season. So what's our record? Um, we're now. 25 and 6. Um, so I like to see the Jazz keep teams under 25 points each quarter. Um, or uh, so, so a total of under 100 points all game because we seem to be a very good team whenever we do that. So uh, right now we allowed over 25 points going into the second quarter. Now we're 10 and 4. We allowed over 50 points going into half. We're 11 and 5. Uh, scored. Over 75 points uh, going into the first fourth quarter, the the Hornets did. Now we're 13 and six, and over 100 points scored uh, this game. Now we're 15 and six. So again, attributing to our great record, 
that's the main reason why this doesn't sound so bad. But I mean, at the beginning, we're like two and four and stuff like that. So um, thanks to us finally buckling down and really being consistent on the offensive end, we have uh, we have done really well. So uh, yeah, let's get into the notes of the game. So this is kind of finalizing the this game, and then we'll kind of talk about the league a little bit. So. Let's see here. I'm sorry. I, I just got a whole bunch of notifications on my phone, and I had to check it out. Uh, anyways, F note of the game is Derek Favors, four points, four rebounds, one assist, one turnover. Yeah, uh, he he seemed like the only player who's really lost out there. Um, he, he had a couple fouls that I was questionable, but overall he just looked super lost out there. Not what we expected. He was one of the only two players had like a negative in their plus-minus margin. So I had to give it to him. I mean, I hate to give it to him, but I mean, I have to give it to him because it's not what we expect from him. Seed note of the game is George Niang with 21 points. He made seven of seven three-pointers like we discussed. Three rebounds, one assist, plus or minus a positive 27. <laughs> Just a different dude out there. A different dude from the Clippers game where he scored zero points. I mean, I got a whole bunch of people calling it for blood. Uh, last game because I didn't put him as an F no I'm like well he didn't really play that many minutes I get it I kind of started this rule for myself I don't think I I followed it until like kind of like a quarter way into the the season I was like I can't give guys F notes for playing nine minutes of game and not making much of an impact because you can't at nine minutes I mean you can but (laughs) I, I mean so I made this rule. It's like, okay, 15 minutes, that's one full quarter, is the new rule. So if any t- any player score- is in the game for more than 15 minutes, they-, they are eligible for these notes of the game. And that's including these ABC notes. So you have to play for more than 15 minutes on this point too. Uh, so you know the game is George Niang. Uh, so we just talked about it. Um, <laughs> the reason why I want to talk about it again is I'm starting to get some hate mail that I put him as a C note. I don't look at scoring. I mean, I get it. The dude was seven seven on three pointers, but I mean, there's there's other factors. The other factors is a B note. Rudy Gobert, ten points, twelve rebounds, one assist, six blocks, plus and minus plus twenty four, and 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 six blocks doesn't like justify what exactly happened. I mean, you still have those players who drive into the lane and go whoa, whoa there's Gobert and then turns around and makes a pass out there's players that literally travel when they get into the paint because they don't know what to do last second because they thought they last time they saw Gobert was five steps away and they forget that's their five steps and that's Rudy's one step so <laughs> they forget that how fast he can close into the paint and then they are undecisive and they can turn it over so six blocks doesn't justify it so the dude was definitely a defensive juggernaut that second half um, didn't get much help in that first half, but after that second half, when he did get a little bit more help, he was just very good. And again, plus minus positive 24. So yeah, you know, the game goes to Joe Ingles, 21 points. He makes seven three pointers himself. Uh, he was seven of 10, uh, three pointers. He has six assists, five rebounds and plus and minus a positive 32. So just distributing the basketball on top of that. So 21 points isn't just his stat. I mean, 12 is six assists. That's at least 
that's at least 12 points. I mean, according to this game, it's probably, you know, uh, 18 points with three pointers, you know? So, I mean, the, he was at least responsible for 33 points. That's why he gets a note of the game. Niang only got one assist. Joe Ingles got uh, two more rebounds than he did. He had a plus-minus margin of a plus of 32, which was five more than Niang. So I'm getting hate mail that Niang should be the he know to the game, especially from Simmons, who likes to argue all day. I think it's Simmons is his last name. Spencer Simmons. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. So Spencer, stop arguing and say something nice about something once in a while on Instagram. I can say that because I give him crap all the time. So I'll tell him I shout him out on this so he can listen to the very end of the podcast when I start trashing him. And you can't argue back on this format, can you, buddy? <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, let's get into uh, kind of what's going around on the league. I just released my uh, third, my third, uh, uh, what do you call it, power rankings where I go with uh, NBA.com, I go with uh, Bleacher Report, uh, CBS Sports, and man, I can't even think, ESPN and uh, The Athletic, and then I take the uh, ELO ratings from 538, kind of mash them all up, see who is uh, overall, so it's not like a biases for me at all, because it's really hard for like the jazz notes to post a uh, a power ranking and go, oh my gosh, the Jazz are number one, you know, shocker, you know, and especially if like the Jazz are like 15 to 15, <laughs> I still think they're number one, but anyways, so let's go into the top 10 uh, right now for this week alone, number 10 is the Denver Nuggets, they fall four slots, uh, number nine is the Raptors, they gained six, which was the most so far uh, this week, or most this week. The Trailblazers go up one spot at number eight. The Bucks go up one spot at number seven. The 76ers drop one spot um, to six. The Suns drop one spot to five. The Lakers drop two spots to number four. The Clippers stay at number three. And the Brooklyn Nets go up five slots to number two. I mean, that's coming off a win with the Clippers, the Suns. So uh, they're kind of going on this Western Conference tear right now. Um, so I can see the justification from that. But, I mean, still, the Clippers, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'd put Brooklyn above the Clippers right now, even though they just beat them. But we'll see. I mean, um, again, non-biased, and the, the Jazz are still number one in accordance with all the power rankings being put together. So, um yeah, I mean, as long as the Brooklyn Nets continue this tear, I can see people starting to put them as number one on the the uh, power rankings. Even if the Jazz sweep this week, if the Brooklyn Nets sweep this week, I can I can definitely see them going up higher just because that's how the national media is. They're more open to the bigger markets. Anyway, so that's the top 10. Um, I'm not going to go into standing since I kind of wasted time going into that. Uh, I don't believe there is much movement into the standings last time we talked, except for Boston going down to number six now when they were number four. And yeah, it's pretty much all the same. Uh, Toronto getting up to number five now after starting terribly. Um, as far as the Western Conference, everything's pretty much the same. 
Um, the Nuggets are now down to number seven, but at one point they're in at number eight. So really not much movement on the standings uh, packed for it. Now let's go into the scores of the game. I definitely didn't look at it because um, <laughs> I didn't want to. Uh, mainly because I wanted it to be a surprise because there's a few teams playing right now. Um, ooh, there's one in overtime. So let's go to the finish games. The Suns beat the Portland Trail Blazers 132-100. to The Heat beat the Thunder 108-94. to The Mavericks beat the Grizzlies 102-92. to uh, The Bulls take out the Rockets 120-100. to Man, the Rockets are... They went on like a five-game winning streak, and now what are they, a six-game losing streak? Uh, eight game losing streak. Holy cow. What happened in Rocket Land? I don't even. Well, I know uh, what's his face is out, so I guess I can see that. Who's what's his face? Oh, I don't know. Um, and it looks like the Wizards have beat the Lakers. Uh, it's, it's still overtime right now with 11 seconds left. I don't want to call it because anything can happen right now. They are up 127, 124. If that's the case, then the Jazz goes solid three and a half games up to the next rank and maybe they can start being considered a tier of their own um yeah i kind of do tiers too as well so anyways we don't play for in our two games and against it's against this lakers team um i mean man the wizards have been on a tear so far so if they win this game i think they're at four games in a row they've won um and that's saying something there'll be a five game winning streak right now so that's if they win tonight. So maybe I can delay this podcast a little bit longer and see who wins in live time. Get some uh, feedback from me right away. End of overtime, 127 to 124. So, yeah, man, the, the Wizards are now on a five-game winning streak. The Lakers, I believe, are on a two- or three-game losing streak. But that's mainly due to AD being out. Um, I can see that. Yeah, they, they've lost three games in a row now. So... I mean, we got to keep this tear up. I mean, we really got to keep it up. I, I think we need this number one. I mean, I believe that fans are going to be in the stands. I mean, even if New York is opening it up with the movie theaters and they're like the most strict as far as this this stuff that's going on right now, um, I can definitely see it. So, anyways, uh, let me shut my babble mouth, uh, mouth, mouth. Let me shut my babble mouth and let you go. Um, thanks for listening. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, again, uh, follow on Instagram. I am going to start tomorrow on questions for the 50th podcast that's going to be released later this week. Uh, hope to hear from you. Uh, you can also ask questions at thejazznote.com or at thejazznotes at gmail.com. I've already got a few in so far, so really good. I'm going to go over a few things that has happened this past year because it's not only my 50th episode it's also my first full year doing this whole podcast thing so i'm going to go over like how many countries have listened to this podcast you know uh different stuff like that so uh just the complete spike that's happened ever since the start of the season and it's mainly due probably to this jazz winning streak and all of that so we got to thank the jazz for making more people listen to this podcast i'm sure there's a lot of people that don't really watch the games or have time to hear the games listening so Anyways, I'll let you go, and as always, go Jazz.